According to scientists, when the largest fragments get closer to the sun, they heat up and they expel jets of gas, changing their trajectory. Yeah, but they're also saying not to worry. Yeah. These yeah. things won't hit the ground. They're going to burn up in the sky as they pass through our atmosphere. But I bet you it's going to make one heck of a show. Okay, retro, go. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 167, and our movie this week is 2020's Greenland, starring Morena Baccarin and Gerard Butler. And here to talk with me about it, he had seen it and won't stop talking about it, so I said, fine, come on the show, I'll watch it. It's Stephen Adams. Stephen, how you doing? That's right, Travis. I am the harasser in chief for this particular disaster <laughs> movie, and I'm proud of it. All right, so I'm ready. What, what is? How did you? Because I, I vaguely remember this getting released, but it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of fanfare to it um, in my mind. So, how did you hear about it, or how did you see it? Like, what? What? Walk me through that a little bit. Right. So, so this movie came out like right when the pandemic hit, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was just nobody could go to a theater. It got moved around. Like, is it going to be in the- theaters? Is it going to just go to the streaming on demand and all this stuff? And I knew about it. I knew that there was a disaster movie, but I looked at the poster of it. I'm like, meh, Gerard Butler doing right. his thing, mm-hmm. you know, cheesing at the camera, whatnot, disaster. All I could think about is Roland Emmerich movies and. Exactly. You know, 2012 and John Cusack and Winnebago and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm not interested. Until one night, Stephanie and I were sitting around. Stephanie's like, I want to watch a disaster movie. And I'm like, me too. That sounds like a great time. Let's, let's pick some dumb cornball, run-of-the-mill disaster movie to watch. I heard Greenland's a disaster movie. Let's check that out. And boy, that was not the movie we expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my history with it. And then, like, I in the evening, we just keep staring at each other, talking about it. Um, <laughs> it, it it was a ride. So yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about this movie prior to. I think I I probably was looking through Gerard Butler's like IMDb page, and I saw Greenland. What's that? And I'm like you. I saw. Oh, okay. So it's a disaster movie. Well, he just made Geostorm three years earlier, and that was a pile of crap. Like nobody <laughs> nobody liked that. Uh, from what I saw. Um. And it was, I just, I didn't, it never dawned on me to, to watch it because of that exact reason. Like, I'm thinking, right. it's a Roland Emmerich style. It's disaster porn. It's the same thing I've been seeing since, you know, Armageddon and and even earlier than that. And I had no desire to. And then you watched it, and you would not stop talking about how much how much you liked this movie. Yeah. And so I finally, I relented, but... I will say the exact same thing. I had no idea what I was getting into going into it. And this was this was a lot better of a movie than it had any right to be. Um, yeah. Some interesting stuff. So Chris Evans was originally going to be the main character in this. And it was Neil Blomkamp that was going to direct it. Which tells me it was going to be a very different movie even from what it was mm-hmm. already, just because of knowing Neil Blomkamp movies the way that I do. Um, I can, after reading that, I have some thoughts we'll talk about in a little bit, but like Chris Evans being in the in the lead in this would have been interesting. It ended up kind of moving around. It ends up with Gerard Butler. He also produces it, part of his production company. 
they bring in the director of uh, Rick Romanois, who had done um, Angel Has Fallen with Gerard Butler uh, just the year prior. And he comes from a stuntman background. So I knew I knew about Gerard Butler and I knew about Rick Romanois because I'd read uh, at some point about Greenland because it was one of those where I was like, Greenland, wow, this, this rated better than other disaster movies. Why is that? And I'm looking, I'm like, well, the director's nobody... Like he's yeah. he's done work, but he's not like a he's not known for deep introspective movies or anything like that. And he comes from a stunt background, so I was blown away by the emotional aspect of this movie. It's not perfect. I'm gonna say that, and I will. Oh, yeah. I will talk about some of the flaws of it. Um, but but it's so much better than most of your standard kind of end of the world scenario disaster movies are. And I think I think I figured out why. Why I think that is. It I want to like, hear. I want to hear your perspective for sure because I know why I think it works that well or works so better. It's it is a mid budget movie, right? It is not. Um, yeah. It was made for oh geez, probably somewhere in the mid thirty millions. You know, thirty four, thirty five million dollar uh, movie. Now, typically. A movie like this is going to be either a big budget blowout extravaganza thing like Moonfall or like 2012 um, or movies that get made are these little five million dollar horror pieces or like little uh, Mm -hmm. kind of character studies. This sits right in the middle of it and I think it works to its advantage because they can bring in some effects that can give you some of that feel of this world ending event where it doesn't feel like a cheap movie that they can't show any craziness Mm -hmm. but it's all centered around the family yeah and because of that it creates an emotional arc and emotional connection to these three people that you don't get in a movie where you keep cutting away to the president and the joint chiefs talking about the disaster and cutting away to somewhere in uh, you know asia or europe or africa where things are happening to characters we don't know and don't care about we center and focus the entire story always on these people. So when things happen to them, you actually care. Yeah. And that's what made this work for me. It's very ground level. Um, And I I think that's, that's the part that struck us the most. Stephanie and I, we watched it is that it's, there's, there's no superhero. There's nobody there who's going to just swoop in and save the day. There's no Bruce Willis with his his drill team. You know, we're going to take care of this. Exactly. I mean, even a movie as as emotional and more grounded as something like Deep Impact, which was like different than Armageddon, you know, Mm -hmm. you still dealt with the president. You still dealt with the military. You still had the people that discovered it or whatever. Yeah. This this movie's about you and me and our family and what happens. Um, And that's what keeps you invested you can see yourself in so many of these situations yeah they they went out of their way to make gerard butler's character who is an actor who we have seen play the that bruce willis type role he's he's Mm -hmm. done that a lot they went out of their way to make him just a guy he's a structural engineer he's got a background but he's not like a he's not a bodybuilder he's not a he doesn't have some sort of military background or military training or or any of this kind of stuff he's just a guy like the the one time where there's an action sequence he has to fight it's uh, it's sloppy and it's not yeah. coordinated and it doesn't end in a way that you would expect um so yeah i loved that part of it. i i i do feel like gerard butler 
he can be very good. There are times where he he gets a little bit. Uh, I think um, he can sleepwalk just a little bit through some roles, mm-hmm. um, which you know it's gonna. I mean, actors are gonna have off days, and and that's fine. But I think when he's on, he's very good, and yeah. the chemistry of him and Marina Baccarin, uh as the estranged husband and wife, I thought was was good because again. They, they have that trope, right, of the husband and wife and the beginning of it, they're going through problems, but they never, it never felt like they overplayed the hand of that trope. It was never yeah. too much. It, it felt like a real relationship to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's initially the first, on first watching, because this is my second viewing to refresh my memory with mm-hmm. you, I was so annoyed with her at the beginning of the movie because she is stone cold to him. Oh, yeah. Um, and you don't really start with much context around why you understand something happened potentially. But, like, again, your brain is not switched into a family drama. Your brain is switched into disaster movies. Yeah. So you're you're almost looking at everything that happens with this cheese ball lens that you're waiting for, like, just the, oh, here we go, blah, blah, blah. And watching it the second time, I take it much more seriously. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. yes, that's this. The tension is is correct for the movie they were making. I was not watching the movie they were making <laughs> when I first turned it on, and that was where it felt like, okay, this is she's so mean. What are we setting up here? This is crazy. Um, but then I'm like, no, 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 this this fits. You know, this this awkwardness between them is is legit. I I believe it. Yeah, the only thing we don't really have solidly we never get is like a timeline of what was going on because we find sure. out what caused the tension later on. And we're look, we're going to spoil the movie. doesn't matter. This isn't like a, a movie with huge twists and turns in it or anything. But when he finally— You can, ride, you can hear this movie and then take the ride mm-hmm. and enjoy it just because you know where the falls are on, uh, on, on uh, uh, Splash Mountain doesn't That's... mean the ride's not fun. That's true. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because when he gets to the father-in-law's house, father-in-law played by Sam, uh, Scott Glenn, by the way, which we'll get to. Um, right? Yeah. Uh, that's when we get the reveal that, okay, so he he had an affair. And it's, again, it's not blown out of proportion. It's not made a huge deal. There's a moment between him and Scott Glenn where Scott Glenn's like, look, every rela- every marriage goes through things that doesn't give you the right to jump into bed with another woman. And his reaction to it is perfect because he's like, you're right. And now I have yeah. to live with that. And it's like, it's in that moment they're, they, they, they come to a same page. And now we know why she was so cold to him earlier because she's hurt more than anything about what happened. Yeah. And, and that's where, again, it, it feels like a real relationship between people trying to work this thing out where, like she says in the beginning of the movie, you know, look, it's going to take work from both of us. It's going to take effort on both our parts to make this work out and see what happens. And yeah, I don't get that sense of like, they came back together because of the trauma of everything that's been going on. It was more of that bond was there, but it had been tested. And this was helping to galvanize that more than like, we've been estranged for six or eight months or a year. And there's a lot of animosity. There wasn't a lot of animosity between them. Right. So I liked that part of it. And and the fact that they both care about their son so much and they're not using him as like a bargaining chip or there's right. there's no there's not a rift between them because of him. 
they avoided a lot of of this kind of like cheating on your your wife tropes mm-hmm. from a lot of movies. Like the other woman isn't calling. There's right. no like there's there's none of that. She just it's a thing that happened. And you just kind of accept that it's a thing that happened and it's such a, a normal human experience. Yeah. And it's not blown up into soap opera terms. You're just you're you're watching what you could see anyone you know go through and then be like okay you're you're done or this this happened and now we got to find a way to move past it and that's that's what this is about it's not lingering in it you know it's it's yeah. more like we we've we've tried we messed up the trust in this relationship and now we're figuring out how to make it work mm-hmm. um and i love that about it i love that it wasn't it wasn't like this big arguments everywhere or anything it's like we still love each other but we're going to we're going to find a way to get on the same page yeah, you know, yep, exactly yeah. that. And and having their son be diabetic um, was was a an interesting way to go because it gave some more tension, some more sure. issues that can come up. That I kind of that whole arc. So so at the beginning of the movie, John, uh, played by Gerard Butler, is in the store when he gets an like a presidential alert on his phone, and that scene's great. Because it's yeah. kind of one of those where it's like he's he's confused by what's going on because nobody else in the store is getting this, and mm-hmm. and then for for that to be a thing where he and his family are selected for relocation, um, and nobody else is that they know, and yeah, that so so I mentioned earlier about Neil Blomkamp. I really feel like that is a thing that he would have explored more. Like the mm-hmm. that aspect of things would have gone, he would have gone much deeper into um, if it had been his movie. Yeah, because it feels yeah, like the type yeah, of thing his, he does. Sure, I mean District Nine was all about that separation kind of mm-hmm. deal. Like it, it would have felt like I think he would have gone into more potentially of that us versus them. Like those who were picked and those who weren't would have resulted in more action. You mm-hmm. know, for instance more clashes here and there. And there are clashes for that, but I, I I think that where they where this director decided to shape the story was less around us versus them and more about just survival in general. And it's already hard. Mm-hmm. We don't need to add more to this movie to make people to pull people in. Oh, but man, and then when they did do some of that stuff, it was effective. So so right. his family takes off and of course their neighbors I loved the exchange with his immediate neighbor. When he comes yeah. out to the car, because again, that's one where in a lesser film or or a tropier film, they would have had more of a conflict there. And the guy yeah. at one point when when John even says, like, I don't even know if this relocation thing is real. And the guy flips out and then immediately stops. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, I, I get it. Just just give us a call if you get any information. And then yeah. they shake hands and go like there's a there's a definite respect there. Between yeah, these two guys, this... where like there's there's no manufactured uh, thing, even though you have to feel like here's John and his family, and he has no idea what's going on, and then this guy next door to him is like, I'm even less of knowing what's going on, and you have an out, and I don't have that, but he's like he understands that they can't just force him to take them or anything like that. It was it was interesting the way that all yeah. played out. I really liked that. 
it's it's I'm emotionally lashing out at the closest person I can. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like a reversal. His logic takes over and he goes, I, can't, I know I can't go. Like, I know that this isn't how the system works. Yep. And I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to lose it on you, miss, but I'm not going to let that be our last interaction. Like, I'll figure something out. You call me if you learn anything. But then it's immediately followed by a much more depressing emotional <sighs> gut punch uh, when he's trying to leave the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the neighbor with yeah. her daughter. Oof. Oh. Yeah, just like, please take my daughter. Like, this movie is full of emotional gut punches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things I like. It. I, I enjoy when movies make me feel, <laughs> you know? And I enjoy those those moments of, like, there's... there's It's, it's a roller coaster in, like, the best ways. You, you have your, your hopefulness... Then you have your gut punches. Then you have your sense of forgiveness or accomplishment. And mm-hmm. then you have more more ups. You know, uh, then your hopefulness is back. And then it's just thrashed again. And and all along the way, it's all reasonable. I won't say it's perfect. This will probably lead into some of your stuff later on about the problems with the movie. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. But everything seems somewhat reasonable. Manufactured, because it's a movie. Sure. But everybody makes makes reasonable moves. And that's what keeps it level for me yes there's so much more uh kind of reasonable reactions and the way that people act for the most part uh makes perfect sure. sense you know they when they get to the air force base and mm-hmm. of course it's just bedlam there and there's all sorts of people trying to get in and the military is turning people away they get inside and realize that they left his insulin in the car it fell out of the bag they didn't know that and Which, they wouldn't have by known... the way oh go ahead oh go ahead Finish, finish your thought. I was just going to say, they wouldn't have known until they got on the plane if they didn't have to consolidate everything into one bag. Yes. That was huge. But the thing I want to point out about the insulin thing is the kid in this movie mm. is not a dumb kid. No. He is not a, he's not a prop being used for just, like, make the dumb kid do some dumb thing so that they have to save him or whatever. Like, we were watching a movie, Poseidon, recently, and at one point the kid just flipping wanders off. I'm like, you're in an upside-down boat drowning. Why are you wandering off? That's not this That's not this type of movie. This kid nope. does a completely normal kid thing and just gets his blanket out of his backpack because he's scared and nervous. Yeah. And that's when the insulin falls out. Uh, and it's like, that could happen to anybody. Like, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, again, all the actions and reactions in this are... are are reasonable and feel like what people would really do. The kid, first of all, the kid is fantastic. He's my his, word, his yes. performance is so good. And I'm going to find his name because I can't remember it off the top of my head. Roger he had to carry a lot. Roger Dale Ford okay. plays Nathan Garrity. And that kid just kills it. He is so good. But it, again, the writing and the directing is good because you're right. He he grabs the blanket because he's scared and the insulin falls out of it and it falls out of the bag kind of between the seats. And and then you think about it and it's like when they get out and start walking, they grab their bags. They have no reason because they just packed them. They have no reason to like look mm-hmm. through the car. And yet your logic brain is like, no, 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 you, you always double check your car when you leave it. But they're in a panic. Yeah. So they're not thinking clearly. Yeah. So it, exactly. it's it's completely reasonable to set this thing up, and then they get inside and find out. Oh, we got to consolidate everything down. That's when they find out it's missing. So what is what is his thought? I'll run back and grab it. I got time. I've got my wristband, and so he has no idea as he's doing that when she goes to talk to someone else, and then 
her son, you know, he gets rejected. He's no longer allowed to be on because yeah. of his diabetes. So now you've got her going through all of this. He, and here's here's dad, here's John off somewhere. No <laughs> clue that any of this is going on. And like it's not it didn't feel like like uh contrived scenarios yeah. to put them in to separate them. And so Yeah, and uh, I liked that. Go ahead. I just uh, that's what I liked. There's a yeah, there's a few things that happen in that scene that really this is where I think this is where the tension really starts to ramp because everyone can imagine being separated from their family without communication. Yep. It's already stressful enough, you know, especially today's day and age where we're used to being able to get in touch with each other. Yep. But there's a few things that happen in this scene that really set it more in a, a real world to me. And it's that when he's running out with his wristband, he stops and he asks one of the military dudes, hey, I've got my wristband. I can get back inside, right? Mm-hmm. And the dude's like, yeah, yeah, you're good to go. Go ahead. Like most movies would skip over that. That's yep. a really normal human detail like i'm gonna ask the question and it took what five seconds to slip that in and you you are you're put in that position like you're you're following him the whole way like in your mind like i would have totally asked like you kidding there's thousands of people banging on this gate i'm gonna make sure i can get back in yeah and then once they get separated the only reason that the they find out about the the boys meds is because she uses the term meds when she, she goes to ask so they can make sure they get on the same plane together. Again, mm-hmm. completely normal human thing. Hey, my husband ran back to get my son's meds. Will you make sure we get on the same plane? And he's that's when the military guy's like, wait, meds? What are you, what are you talking about? Me- hold on, we got a situation. And she's like, wait, 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 never mind. Never <laughs> mind. Let's just forget that. It's, it's good. We're all good. And he's yeah, like, yeah, nah, no, nah, no. nah. You know, and you can see the anguish. And it's mm-hmm. that's really where it plays into Morena Baccarin's, like, abilities. Because you're... The, the tension is just off the charts in this whole, like, what is it, like a 15-minute sequence of events. Yeah, because she Fantastic. goes from, like, the, the realization they don't have the insulin. And so she's freaking out about that. And then John takes off. Yeah. And then she's trying to get help. And then finding out, no, your son's not going to be able to go. She's like, wait, no, but my husband's coming back. We have already been selected. And they're telling her left and right, no. And her her exchange with the the kind of section chief or the leader of what was going on sure. um, was, you know, again, reasonable. Like, she's just like, what do you, we were selected. Just let us get on the damn plane. And, yeah. and then that moment where that woman was like, yeah, my family didn't get selected. We're all here volunteering. And, you know, there, there's your, again, you're, you're, she's got that hope of like, she's going to, she's going to convince her. And then you get the gut punch. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, just yeah. look, look, you didn't see anything. But it's too late at that point. Yeah. And there's nothing that can be done. So now there's the looting aspect of things, which obviously would be happening. Um, sure. And that scene was a little bit of like hand wavy where the, she's able to find insulin like in the oh, yeah. in that pharmacy and all that. But as they're leaving, what I liked was how it was set up the, the person that she was going to make connection with after the pharmacy because they just had like eye contact walking in type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, they get out, even though the looters, these other looters showed up that are even worse and like shooting at people and, and all sorts yeah. of stuff, um, which again, they didn't dwell on for very long. And thankfully, you know, they get out of that. They run into the same woman that she saw inside the pharmacy and hop in the car with her and her husband. 
and you're thinking, okay, cool. So they're going to get a ride. They're going to get where they're going. And, um, uh, boy, I wanted to throw that husband out into traffic. Um, because yeah, that's okay. All right. So we're going to talk about this scene now. This was the moment in this movie where I was like, okay, I am now, uh, I, I, I hate this scene, but it's amazing. It's so well done and it's elevated this movie. And that is, as you see, you can see the gears turning in the guy's head as he keeps looking because she's given up the information that like, yes, we were, uh, you know, we were selected because they see her wristband, but they turned my son away. You know, thank you for helping us. We're just getting here and whatnot. And this guy sees an opportunity that he thinks he can take advantage of. And when he says the line of, um, well, maybe he could get on a plane with a different family. Yeah. And maybe somebody who worked harder to get on the plane with him could get on the plane. And that, that whole thing where he makes this, he makes this assumption that her husband abandoned her and and all this stuff and then pulls her out of the car and takes the kid and drives away. And I was just like, holy crap, I was not prepared for that at all. That is the point in the movie where I became a blubbering mess <laughs> on my first watch. Like I, I'm a look, I'm a movie crier. Everybody knows it. It's just part of it's part of me. It's who I am. Uh but I that I got some tissues because it was so you're right. It is so intense and it's so practical. And I have a seven year old kid. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's even more movies are harder to watch when you're a parent or have, have somebody that depends on you um, in any way, like flipping, you got a dog homeward bound is hard to watch. Yeah. You know, like it's, (laughs) it's just like, no, that's my baby, you know, like in, in the thing. So yeah, it's, it's very intense and, you feel like you're safe. You feel like you can take a breath. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, these decent people for most, like, as far as we can tell, it's not like this guy's riding around and, you know, a gun on the, on the center console and the wife's like weird or anything. She's actually disappointed that he's even proposing this idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she eventually does goes along to, with yeah. it. She does nothing to sure. stop it, but she doesn't like that it's starting. So it's like, we're getting a little bit of insight into that relationship too. Uh, we can sort mm-hmm. of picture that like maybe he's a little bit abusive or a little bit domineering over, over his just, wife it's, it's and just, just a, like, and like when it comes yeah. to the fight or flight, she, she goes to flight. And let's, let's keep in mind too, not to stereotype Georgia, but we're in the South, mm-hmm. very patriarchal as yep. a culture. That's true. I mean, it's not, she might not be abused at all. She's just leaning on her husband. Like she always has. You that's know, a, and it's just trying point. to ad- advise him, this is terrible. What are you doing? But at the end of the day, she's ride or die. Let's go. I'm with him. You know, I mean, that's that is a that's a cultural aspect that doesn't make them bad or good, you know, in some ways. In this case, yeah, you probably should interfere in a kidnapping. But I yes. mean, I'm just in context of the of the story and the location and what they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Again, believable event as far as I can tell. It is because I can see somebody making this realization of like, you know what? There's wristbands in play. Maybe we can figure out a way to to work that to our advantage. Desperation. Desperate people will do all sorts of stuff. And then you've got that moment where he opens the door and he's grabbing Morena Baccarin and pulling her out of the vehicle. And I did watch a couple of short reviews um, on YouTube and stuff. And one one was uh, 
poking at that particular scene and how she didn't do anything really to stop it. It's like, well, he's also like twice her size. And yeah, again, you don't always know how you're going to react in a traumatic situation. And sure. You know, so here's this going on. Meanwhile, you've got the kid who's screaming in the car. And once again, Roger Dale Floyd killing it because that was, that was heartbreaking. Listening to that kid scream followed by just silence. And yeah, that's, that's a believable reaction to it all. But to your point and how the kid didn't do stupid things, when we come back to that later and they get to the next military base and the guy's like, all right, you don't tell anybody. If anyone asks, we're your parents and all of this. And he gets up there and he just tells the military guy, no, they took me from my mom. And like the way he does it is so, oh, it was was so well done. Like, again, it's better than this movie. Then going into this movie, I would have said this is what they did here is better than it deserves to be. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you said, I wasn't watching the movie they were making the first time through. And so I love that. The whole, his, Roger Dale Ford is his name. This kid, like, give him an Oscar for that scene alone. Because you can see the fear, and you can see it welling up. Like, mm-hmm. it's not often you see you see a people have emotions. Welling up is a is an acting skill. Like, yes. where it starts, you can tell they're, they're holding something in that just really wants to get out. And that's what that whole scene was of, like, these aren't my parents. Um in that that big moment, and that was it was funny because Sam decided to watch this movie with us. He's seven, <laughs> so he's like, "What are y'all watching?" We're like, "We're watching this disaster movie." <laughs> and we'd sit him down. He tuned in about where they were in the airport and trying to do all this stuff. Okay. And this this scene, we skipped over the kidnapping scene because it's far too real, and I did not want him to see that. Um, good but idea. I actually used this this bit as a teachable moment. I was like, "This kid's about to be." the bravest kid you've ever seen, you know? And, and it was, it was really good. Cause it is such a convincing scene. You'd be like, he could have been stuck with those people, but he was, he did the bravest possible thing a little kid could do. And, and told those, yeah. those military guards. And you think about what this kid's gone through because he doesn't know where his dad is. I mean, when that right. explosion happens, when the plane, uh, cause there's a, right. at the, at the first military base, there's a breach of the perimeter. People get in, jet fuel leak and a plane blows up. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's a disaster movie, movie thing where you just got to park your brain because honestly, all the people... It was very, that. that was very mechanized. Yeah, that was very like plot moving device. It was yeah. like, let's get this to happen. Not but only that, but the shockwave of that explosion would have killed like everybody on that tarmac. Um, so, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. hand wave that away. <laughs> but like, here's this kid thinking, sure. and his, his reaction to that was, was that dad's plane? Because they're right. separated still. So he doesn't know where. So here's this kid who doesn't know where his dad is. He's dealing with that. He's been been dealing with his uh, his diabetes and, and all of that. Finally gets his insulin. And then immediately loses his mom. And he still yeah. is able to hold it together enough to tell the military police what's going on without just being a blubbering mess the whole time. And, and right. Roger Dale Floyd just. The welling up. That's. You nailed it with that. Like it's an it's not enough just that he has the emotional part of it, but he has the build and the arc of the emotion in mm-hmm. that scene. 
Yeah, so. yeah, and it's what it's what takes you along the journey with him. It's mm-hmm. it's the reason that was the second time that I reached for the tissues <laughs> because of the release of that tension. It's like, oh, he's got he's he did it. He's gonna be safe. F those people. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's yep. gonna be good. And that that's part of this whole like. And one of the themes that you see throughout this movie is the people loving people thing. Yes. Um, you know, like three things, two things that'll get me to cry in a movie, like people loving people, people forgiving other people. Those things just get me mm-hmm. every time. This movie's full of that. That's why every, every time, like, dang, damn it, this movie's just crushing me. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and we, did, we didn't even mention the, the reason they got in the car with these people is they're going to her dad's place, which will bring us to Scott Glenn yes. in a little bit. Um, but they left a flipping note, like another completely sensible thing to do mm-hmm. just in the event. It wasn't their dad's plane that blow up. You wrote it on a note, like gone to dad's place and just stuck it on the car. Cause they yeah. knew he would be back there if he didn't die. Right. And they, she had to get them. She had to leave cause the insulin was becoming an issue. Yeah. You know? So it's these moments that they've, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of the Martian. You know, like Andy Weir's like, I'm going to strand somebody on Mars, and I'm going to reverse engineer my way back to out into how I would survive there. Yeah. This is kind of similar in that I want to get some people to Greenland. I'm going to reverse engineer the story so that I can make it all make sense of why all these things would happen. It's a yeah. very problem-solving movie, and that might be part of why I, I, I enjoy it so much. I can see that, and I like... Like, I don't have a problem with disaster movies or kaiju movies or anything. Those movies where it's just like, sure. shut your brain off and enjoy the spectacle that you're seeing on the screen. But part of, like, I was reminded a little bit of Cloverfield when I was watching this. And that Cloverfield yeah. is a kaiju movie from the street. This is mm-hmm. 2012, but just following this family and the things that they're dealing yeah. with. And we don't have to go, we don't have to pull back and go too wide but we're we're able to pull back just enough to see what's going on around them. Yeah. And so I really Nobody like that. moved any any continental plates while in the air to bring Russia closer. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that's that's not a thing in this movie. Nope. It's, it's far more reasonable. And then and and then when he so John now he finds a truck and it's heading north and he's like can you take me to Lexington? That's where they got to get. That's where her dad is is Lexington, Kentucky. So he's Still, again, he has no idea that uh, that Nathan's been kidnapped. He has no idea that any of that stuff has happened. He's just like, I found a truck. I'm heading there. That's that's my goal. And he gets in the truck and he meets this guy, and the guy's really cool. And he's talking to him, and they're they're having a great old time. And then this dumb redneck across the way has to be like, you don't deserve that wristband. I, I love that. that that scene. Again, it's another one of those where it's like. I get it. There's going to be people like that. And, and it was a believable scene. And then the fight breaks out and it's like our one kind of action sequence. But again, it's not your traditional action scene because John Garrity is not an action star. He is not like a wonderful fighter in any of that. So it does bring me to one of my moments where one of, one of the things about this movie that I kind of wish they would have followed through on a little bit. And that is, after the fight happens and they crash the truck or the truck stops and everybody fly, flies out of it and all that kind of stuff. There's a fight going on um, along the highway and he grabs the claw hammer and then you get the one death um, not caused by the, the comet hitting the earth. And that is he claw hammers the guy in the head 
And it's that immediate realization of like, oh, what have I done? And I yeah. just felt like I, I felt like that was a thing that they they kind of set up and then they never paid off that mm -hmm. aspect of things. Like I felt when he first gets to Scott Glenn's house, I thought that was going to be something that would be like a bigger thing. It felt like that mm -hmm. was what he was going to be talking about. And then it's just really never got brought back up. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's where it's like the movie's not perfect because they set stuff up that they didn't pay off. Um, I kind of feel the same way about the kidnapping parents, the Ralph and, and what's her name. Oh, yeah, we don't know where, what where happened to them. They just sort I of assume they got disappeared. arrested. Yeah, they got arrested because yeah. he calls the military police over, but I'm like, yeah, but I want to, I want some resolution to that. Like I want to see them, you know, something happening to them um, just yeah. because he, he was such a terrible person. And well, this is, this is a very limited perspective mm -hmm. kind of movie. Like you, if, if the main characters aren't there, you don't, you don't see it. You don't know what happened. And with the with the murdery stuff, like where he fought the dude and he, he killed him, he, there's a one point where he does break into a house. Because um, we, we've neglected oh, yeah. to mention that, that fireballs are fi flying from the sky yes. like <laughs> all the time. Like this is a, a occurrence. Um, there's a big meteor heading in, but there's all these fragments that are falling and burning up and hitting people and all kinds of stuff. So there's just pandemonium. It's, it's nuts. Everything is crazy. you got some people partying on a roof because it's the end of the world, you know? Yep. You got some people freaking out. Some people are at church. It did a really good job of like visual storytelling mm -hmm. with a lot of that. Like, cause you know, there will be the drunk idiots who are like, it's the end of the world who gives a flip. Or yeah. the, but there will also be people who are like panicked, you know, which I feel like would be the vast majority. Um, mm -hmm. But he breaks into a house and he like wanders around. You kind of see like, I'm just in this house where these people were. And he leaves a note there to say, I'm sorry I had to steal your car. But that's where he deals with the murder because he's got blood on his hands. That's true. Um, they did. They did have that scene. You're right. Yeah, and and he he he's clearly not okay with what happened. But it's almost like a symbolic. I'm gonna wash my hands off. I'm gonna get clean. I'm gonna refocus, and I'm gonna go find my family. And it it might not have been handled in the way that it 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 could have been, like the conversation with it, but. I mean, you murder somebody in a pan in a in a massive end of the world scenario. Maybe that isn't what you talk to your your dad about when he's already mad at you. you True, know? and and it was in self defense. Like it's not like he went out of sure, his way to yeah. hurt this guy. This guy started everything with him, and he, right. he was trying to defuse it the whole time. And you know, he didn't have a choice yeah, there. Because where are you from? Because he's actually using his Scottish accent, and that just irritated the redneck. I okay, so real quick, that was something that I liked. I liked that it yeah. was because again, at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh wow, he's not hiding his accent very well. Uh, you know, <laughs> all right, so I guess we're not doing that. And then, and because it's never made like a big deal, that's the first time we have any sort of reference to it. And then there's later on when he's in the truck talking with Marina Baccarin and she talks about meeting when he met her mother for the first time and she wore her kilt to make him feel more yeah. comfortable and more at home. And it's like, <laughs> okay, cool. It's a part of who his character is, but we don't need to make it who his character is. Yeah. It's it's a thing they should do more mm -hmm. in in movies. Like I don't think many we're look, we're an international like we're a we're a small world, y'all. Like there's people from everywhere living everywhere. Um I don't I don't think every action hero that's played by a British dude 
needs to use an American accent. Like, let's just like Avatar stands out the most to me. <laughs> Sam Worthington and his terrible cover up of his Australian accent. Just let the dude be Australian, and nobody yeah. would have cared. Wouldn't have thought twice. I've I've said it for years that just let actors use their their natural accents. Um, yeah, you do have your exceptions. Tom Holland just is absolutely disguised as an American. Um, this anytime. is true, but there are other people that can't do it. But there's a difference between when you're uh, when you're writing and and creating a character that has existed. Like Peter Parker is who Tom Holland is playing. Oh, sure. Peter Parker is American, so you're either going right. to get an American to play him or somebody that can do a convincing accent. Yeah, John Garrity is made for this movie. <laughs> there's no preconceived thing. So had they had Chris Evans in this movie, mm-hmm. like they originally were going to. John Garrity's a little bit different, and they don't have that aspect yeah. of things, and you have to you have to figure out a different reason for that fight to happen. But mm-hmm. that's fine. In this case, the fact that John Garrity is Scottish, um, and we don't know how long he's been in the states, but obviously long enough that he doesn't have a super thick Scottish accent. But yeah, they don't make that like his his character is not defined by being a Scot but it's part of right. his character and it's worked in. And that is the type of thing I appreciate that in screenplays and in film and television when aspects of a character are just there and they don't have to be what the character is, whether that is, you know, uh, nationality or or ethnicity or orientation or any of those things, when you can just make it, the character is that thing, but they're not defined by that thing. I I love right. that. So that was that was something that just stuck out to me that I was like, that's cool. I like the way they did that. Plus, honestly, my reaction would have been when the guy said, where are you from? Uh, Atlanta. No. Yeah, no right. It's not what I'm asking. Where were you born? Yeah. I would have just said, like, Atlanta and left it at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I but, just watched a lot of Braveheart. Yeah, exactly. I picked it up. <laughs> um, all right. Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. Yeah, He's man. not in the movie for very long, but... Oh, I I will watch anything he's in. Scott Glenn is so just so good. Do you know who was originally uh, in talks to play that character though? You might Sam Elliott. It would have been different. I it would have been very different. Now, look, I'm going to watch anything with Sam Elliott in it too because he's awesome. Um, right. So I think I think Sam Elliott as Chris Evans' father-in-law works really well. I could see that happening. Um, but I loved the fact that they got Scott Glenn for this because number one, that dude just looks like he's made out of nothing but like teak wood and leather. I mean, he's just like <laughs> grizzled and sinewy. Uh, he's, he's, and I love that he's wearing a shirt with no sleeve, like the sleeves cut off of it, just showing oh, yeah. off the guns. But Scott Glenn has this way of being like hard, but also forgiving. He's got like a, yes. a a kindness to him that can come through, but at the same time, he can play very like harsh, and mm-hmm. he does both of those so well. Where it's like when he's dealing with with Nathan, the the son, he's grandpa, and he's just yeah. he's just a you know kindly old man. But when when John first shows up, and I didn't quite understand why all his friends were there playing cards and then they just sort of left. That was a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Because he says some line about his friends babysitting him. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. what why nobody's been able to get a hold of you for days. So, okay, sure. But um he's very like 
he's ready to cause a problem and have an argument with John. And, and it's almost in like, but then that switch gets flipped when he looks at him, he's like, what's going on with you? And there's like this tension, but it's but it's like a it's like a respectful tension, and I just really liked the chemistry between Scott Glenn and Gerard Butler in those scenes. It was really good. Yeah, you could really tell that it was a relationship that was good, and then he made big mistakes with this man's daughter, mm-hmm. and it's like I haven't stopped loving you, but I'm I need to know where you're at now. Yeah, like <laughs> we we got to come to some understandings as two men. Uh, one of which, or both of which, who are heavily invested in this one woman's life. Yes, and and we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna get get this done. We're gonna figure out what to how we're gonna do this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's this it's this almost like prodigal son tale, all around. You know, of like you really screwed up, but we all still love you, and we're all still here. But we just gotta work through it all. Um, that's kind of that's kind of fun to see, and that that gets you too. Is like the he could have been like, you were you wronged my daughter, get out of my house. I don't need you here. And there that are, didn't happen. Yeah, there are so many tropier ways they could have gone with that. They, it could have been the thing where, like, I never liked you, you know, ever since my, yeah. my daughter brought you home. They don't go that route. You're right in that there is, like, the relationship where they got they have gotten along. It's been a good yeah. relationship. But, and and what I like, too, is the little bit of reveals about his character when he comes out to the barn and there he is cleaning stuff off. And he's like, you know, hey, you got to get a bag packed. We got to get going. And he goes, no, nah, I can't leave. I can't, you know, if I left the horse, uh, Bert or whatever his name was, like Mary would kill me, you know, and yeah. it's his, his his dead wife. Like, mm-hmm. and his his whole thing, like he's playing that character, the, the old man character that's stubborn and refuses to leave in the face of, uh, of death and in the face of everything. But inst- like, there's a legitimate reason for it, and it's yeah. it's handled well. And I loved his little little speech where he's like, you know, uh, what is he? He tells him this isn't a storm you can just ride out. And he's like, yeah, look, I'm gonna die here. I know that. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe in ten years. Doesn't matter. This is where I'm dying. Like yeah. he's made that decision, and and nobody's gonna and and they don't fight him on it because they know they're not changing his mind. Yeah. It's it's so much. It's better. It's not stubbornness for stubbornness' sake, right? Like uh, we, we since we watched this disaster movie, we turned on Dante's Peak, um, which mm-hmm. you know some people watched Volcano, some people watched Dante's Peak. You know, whichever one's your favorite. The grandma in that movie was stubbornness for stubbornness' sake. Yes, as a plot device. Him in this movie is stubbornness because of the heart. Yep, and it's something you can understand and you can get. It's just not like grandma's not leaving her house and the volcano's going off. We got to go get grandma. It's like he's 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 staying because he's like, oh god, we're we're not gonna make it. I'm gonna die. I'm done anyway. His whole tone is like, I've ridden this. I'm done. I yep. miss my wife. If the meteor takes me out, I, I'm good with it. I'm ready to go. And that he's- that gives you more acceptance over it. Mm-hmm. He's lived his life. He's waiting, you know, to, to see his wife again. And meanwhile, if his if his daughter and his grandson can can survive this, they should go try. He's not going to stop sure, them. Yeah. He's not going to tell them it's a bad idea or it won't work. But he's not going to go. And yeah. yet, he's still. Point, oh, go ahead. I was going at this point. They know it's an extinction level event. Like yep. it's been broadcast there's a nine mile wide comet that is going to hit and everything's going to be destroyed so it's like you might as well try (laughs) yeah 
And then I love too when they're getting ready to leave, and you know they have the they have the tropey moment where he hands him the rifles, like take care of the take care of them, sure thing. But but again, it's handled in a way that feels real and it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. he goes to talk to the kid, and I love placating the kid where he's like, "Nah, don't worry, I'll come see you. You're going to be at the North Pole, right? Tell Santa I said hello." Yeah, you know that kind yeah. of stuff. Like, and and and. Nathan's reactions to that he knows like this kid is smart enough to realize he's never going to see his grandfather again yeah and it's heartbreaking but you know grandpa's still gonna leave him with a smile and that's his last memory of grandpa which is a great you know given everything else that's going on in this movie that that is a great moment for that that relationship and for that kid to have something positive in his life right now with everything else that's been yeah. going on. So. And there was that the gun that that the that he gives him he never he never has to use it. Like nope. it's it's just that that this is for you. It's something that grandpa would do. Like here's yeah. my gun, take care of my kids cuz he's expecting shenanigans out in the world. And then there's there's another point where they're loading up the truck that Stephanie and I just threw up our heads we're like this is just the most brilliant movie we've ever seen. They grab the daggone booster seat yeah. for the kid. Mhm. Like that's a detail. It's details that sell this movie and keep you invested. It's like every parent on the planet would have been like, "Got the booster seat. Look at that. We're <laughs> yep. all right." Now, I will say this is about the point. It's about an hour and 20, hour and 25 minutes at this point in this movie mm-hmm. where I almost would have been fine if it had been that was the end of like them driving off. Yeah. Because I do think that the last half hour of the movie, while fine, is where it starts to fall apart a little bit. It starts to become a little too much of the Hollywood disaster movie. Um, yeah. Where where you're now finding, like, what are the things we can throw at them to keep them from getting to their goal? So it's I agree with that. stuff yeah. raining down from the sky, so they got to get out of the vehicles and run underneath that bridge um, after the, you know, the other bridge, which is... Because, like... It's and and the reason that it doesn't work as well for me is you have them going along the highway and then they find out that the bridge is out, right? There was a crash or something. They're trying to fix it, but the highway traffic's all backed up. And then everything starts going crazy. And once we get past that point and they get underneath the bridge and he you know, he pulls the person out of the car, um, then it's like, Okay, everything's fine again and they're back on the road. Right. Like so all the stuff that was blocking them before is just fixed. Um yeah. You know, and then for them to get to get across the border, uh, which that was a f- the border scene itself, like just that quick shot was eerie, like them driving right. up on the border of Canada and there's just nobody there, and it's just like right. slowly driving, like okay, I guess we'll just uh, we'll just go. Uh, but then they get to the plane and it's you know the whole thing of like I can't get you on the plane, you know we're overweight as it is in a plane that probably wouldn't have made the trip anyway because uh, it probably right. wasn't big no, enough, but have. whatever. Um, so like this is such a solid movie that I can I can kind of let some of that stuff slide that normally would take me out of it and be like, "Eh, all right, you know, whatever, I watched it. I I don't need to watch it again." I would rewatch this movie even with the flaws that it has in that third act and mm-hmm. stuff like that because they did such a good job in that first hour, hour and 20 minutes, hour and 25 minutes of like making you care about these people that you want to yeah. see it end. And you want to see them make it to Greenland, 
and there were there were several spots in that last half hour where they could have ended things and just given you like the ambiguous like well it's on a high note maybe sure um yeah it definitely does it does like if you look at the scales of like good movie bad movie it's it's got so much cred by the time you get to that last third like it's it's up it's up so high that by the time like you're actually in that it starts to balance out to become a pretty dang good movie instead of being like holy crap this is changing everything uh you get to more of a but this is a great movie would watch again yeah (laughs) i mean you know like it's it it, it had a lot of it built a lot of a good relationship with the viewer up to those those more tropey yeah kind of moments it it puts it in like a solid b b plus range where it's like it's a good movie and and as disaster movies go it is a better quality of storytelling because you care about the characters. It's not. It doesn't have the spectacle. It's not the. It's not the movie you're gonna. You know, get a group of friends together and sit down and be like, we're gonna watch Greenland tonight because it's you know it's, yeah. uh, it's that's it's not that kind of movie. But like from a from a film standpoint and sort of a film study standpoint, it's much better. It's elevated beyond your normal popcorn fare because you actually care about these people. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that, and. and- that goes a long way. Yeah. And I mean that that whole airport scene, I mean, it's it just it's another one of those like people just working with people, like just trying to do the right thing. Like there's so many moments in this where it's I'm trying to do this, I'm I'm gonna help you out, I'm gonna make this difference for you. Like the the military helps. Um the there's that whole scene we, we kind of gl- glossed over a little earlier about the kid. Um when he gets saved by the military, they take him to the hospital tents. Um, the, or the FEMA tents that they have set up to help. And that's where he gets taken care of and he gets more insulin. The nurse is incredibly helpful. It's sweet. Um, oh, and yeah. it's like, cause it's the end of the world. It's, it's this Mr. Rogers level that I want to know we could reach. If we knew a nine mile comet was going to blow us all away, would the majority of us do what these people did? Would we go, Hey, I've got some skills. I don't have any family at home. I'm just going to go out and see who I can help today. Yeah. Like that's, that's where it kind of, it, it, it was the most impactful to me is that everybody was the guy on the plane who pulls up and they, they stop him so they can get on the plane. He's basically saying, I can't take you. I'm endangering everybody. Uh, if I do, but it's not, I don't want to take you. Yeah. It's that I can't take you because we're overweight uh, and I think that was that spoke to the whole thing too. He's like, I want to help, and then he finally just relents. It's like, look, how much do you weigh? Let's just, we're yeah. all gonna die. <laughs> like, who, we don't even know if where we're going makes sense. Who, by the way, in in a brilliant thing, because this is a movie that has uh, basically three main characters, four if you count Scott Glenn, and everybody else is sort of I've not really recognized a whole lot, but the the pilot was Holt McCallany. And uh, if you've seen uh, Mindhunter, he's Bill Tench in Mindhunter. He's worked with uh, Fincher a bunch. He was in Fight Club. He was the mechanic in Fight Club. Um, towards the end of it, he's in that. Like He's one of these uh, actors that brings a lot to a role and is one of those faces. He's a that guy. Holt McCallany yeah, yeah. is a for, – for your, for your general audience, he's a that guy. They, you see him in All stuff. Right. And, uh, and so to have him be that pilot where it's – it's not the level, it's not stunt casting, right? It's not getting like a huge right. name to come in here, but it's a solid actor that can bring something to a role that doesn't have to be on screen for that long to do it. Mm-hmm. 
This so, this movie like is that. the money. It's the money ball of movies. Can he get on base? Like, let's yes. get Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn can get on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holt the Holt dude who I don't know the name of, but I knew his face. He can get on base. He'll oh, get yeah. you to feel something. He's he's the person that you need. Um, that's really that's really what this movie's all about. Like you could have got Sam Elliott, you could have got Chris Evans, but an entirely different movie. Sam Elliott could not have been the grandpa that Scott Glenn was. Um, I don't think he could have pulled. He's a great actor, but he's not known for working with children. <laughs> you know, like it would have taken a little bit more of a leap. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like I love Sam Elliott, and and I like what he can bring to a to a movie, but he and he can do gruff and and um gentle like grandfatherly i've seen him do both but he does it in a different way than scott glenn does and i feel like scott glenn brought like with gerard butler i feel like the chemistry with him and scott glenn is better than it would have been with sam elliott that's just me yeah yeah. um yeah this is this is so much better of a movie than i thought it was going to be um i really just was quite surprised by that now Here's a little something that I didn't know until I got done watching it. I was reading some trivia and, and looking some things up, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I want to get your take. Sure. They're working on a sequel mm. called Greenland Migration. It's in development right now with Gerard Butler, Miranda Baccarin, confirmed to return, and Rick Romanois attached to direct. How do you feel about there being a sequel to this movie? Because I have my thoughts. But I want to know what you because uh, knowing how much you would like this, yeah, it's it's so hard because you worry about Hollywoodism and mm-hmm. just the mine it until it's it's just stripped bare and there's nothing left, um, and that worries me a little bit. This movie's so good by itself; it, it redefines what a disaster movie can be. Like it's it's setting a disaster as a backdrop to a human story, mm-hmm. which so many of them just fail to do. It's, it's all about go see it in the big theater and not, not to shame Roland Emmerich. He has his place, but like his movies are definitely park your brain. Like don't just park it, park it like in a garage, multiple blocks away. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're seeing the, the movie in the theater, leave the brain at home. Just, yeah, just, just don't yeah, even just bring it with you. Yeah. What, what are you doing? But but like this is just so much better. I worry that uh, that they'll they'll break it. And I mean, we can disregard the sequel just like you disregard any sequel you think is stupid. Nobody wants to see Christmas Vacation two. You know, That's they true. made that, but yeah, yeah. we don't care. <laughs> so you can kind of. I don't think it will hurt this movie knowing that there's a second one. But I don't know. But okay, I mean, I'm doing that thing where I backpedal. But I also know that this this team worked really hard to make a really good disaster movie. And I want to believe that this team wouldn't make a second one. It didn't make that much money, Travis. It it made like 10 million over its 10 million profit. It's nothing. Yeah. So unless they had a real strong faith and belief in what they were doing, I want to believe they wouldn't make another one. So it could be something great, but we'll just have to see. Yeah. I just don't know where you take the story from here. That's my biggest concern is like, I I don't necessarily think that the team behind it because Rick Romanois, so his movies that he has directed would be Greenland. He did Angel Has Fallen. He did a movie called Shot Caller, um, Snitch. So they're they're lesser known kind of action movies. He's worked himself to this point, but he works with a lot of the same crew. 
Um, he's worked with Gerard Butler before with Angel Has Fallen, and they're apparently working on more Has Fallen movies around that character. <laughs> um, so I don't discount or feel like they can't bring stuff to it. With Gerard Butler having been a producer on this movie, I understand that, and like he's going to bring that aspect of things to it. I just don't know where the story goes from here. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing you can do at this point is try to rebuild, but where's the tension in that rebuild then? Yeah, that's that's the I thing that wanna, worries me. I don't want a Walking Dead scenario where it's like, no. oh, they found this brace of radioactive weirdos out in the 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 out the, the Armageddon level world yeah. that they have to like fight and stuff. I don't want this to be an action movie. I want it to continue to be an authentic feeling family mm-hmm. drama. You know, but it's so it's so easy not to know when to quit. <laughs> I want them to know when to quit. Yeah, yeah. I I don't feel like every movie needs to have a sequel. That I would always have questions. Mm-hmm. I would always be like, oh, I'm curious to know how these stories might continue. But yeah, I don't necessarily need to see that. I just don't know that I need a sequel to Greenland. I'll probably watch it just because of how much I enjoyed this sure. and check it out. But I will watch it much like I did going into this with with mitigated expectations. Like I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting a sequel to this movie to be Terminator Two. You know, right? We might get that. Yeah. Who knows? But I'm not going to expect that. I'm going to expect it to just sort of be a thing, and we'll we'll see what happens with it. But this is uh, a fun movie, and I did. There wasn't a lot to capture audio wise with this. It's not a quippy yeah. movie. There's not one liners. There's not. There's not terrible line reads or like drastically over the top. Uh, performances um sure but i got a couple of things real quick that just were too funny not to um (laughs) there was the so this again this is scott glenn uh the last thing he says to his grandson uh and it just it made me chuckle uh because i can totally see a grandpa doing this say hi to santa for me i'm still mad about the cold like that was great yeah that was a touching moment that was a good one yeah, I had to explain the coal thing to, to Sam because I don't oh, right. think we've ever really addressed. And he was like, what does he mean by coal? I said, well, Santa gives coal to bad kids. Really? I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, there's not that many bad kids. You probably won't meet one that gets actual coal. Yeah. <laughs> Coal's too expensive to go out anymore. Yeah, it's, it's bad for the planet. Um, he gives them a propane tank. Yeah. This was uh, – I had to capture this because um, it's the guy saying the different family line, and it just – uh, boils my blood. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe if he had some different family with him. No, no, that's oh, yeah. not how that no. works. Not, not at all, Mm-mm. sir. Mm-mm, no. Oh no. gosh, it stressed me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, and this was, again, your movie's always going to have those shortcut moments of like, uh, we got to set up that you know, dad and son have a great relationship, and so um, <laughs> it was funny at the beginning when when he's explaining to his dad about the comet. <laughs> you and comets are made of farts. <laughs> made of farts. It was, it was so it was so natural. Like that whole they had such a good rapport. That yeah. is, Again, that like the best. That is like it's it's screenwriting one oh one. It's a way to establish the relationship between father and son, but it also was done in such a good way. Like it didn't feel yeah. forced for him because he's like he's right. telling his dad, you know. Yeah, the comet, it's made out of gas. He's like, okay, so comets are made out of farts. Got it. 
or no asteroids <laughs> asteroids are made out of farts he's like it's not an asteroid dad it's a comet they explain that and he's like okay so this is what i've learned then you and comets are made out of farts <laughs> so good i just love that that's and that's, it was it was it was great there because the there there's so much tension in the marriage mm-hmm. and he's playing with his son like and that was you know i mean that's just a normal that's a normal thing man that was, yeah, that was the, good stuff. the whole marriage thing, like they never overplayed it. They never had a big fight or they didn't have to have some sort of exposition dump of, you know, they, it was all done through looks and through like interpretation. He comes into the house and the bedroom door is closed. And he's like, mm. I guess it's the guest room. You know, we don't yeah. know why they're having problems, but they are. And, and that's mm-hmm. real, you know, not. When, yeah. If you're in a relationship with somebody, you're not recapping that relationship every few days. It just no. like that does that's not how people communicate, and so I liked that a lot. Yeah. This is really it's like they they stop themselves because there's so many places you could see them going further with any of these conversations or any of these moments, mm-hmm. and it's almost like they just constantly police themselves for this kind of thing. Like I think about watching um, uh, Marcus and McFeely, the writers of like the whole Captain America saga and Endgame yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And like, I, I watched a video of, of their writing process and it was very much a puzzle they're putting together and like where to stop and where to put things in and how to do that. And there's, there's, there's screenwriters that you, you read their screenplays or you watch their movies and you feel like they just, did it. they wrote a story they were happy with it they put it out there and then there's screenwriters that you you watch that you're like they thought about their story mm-hmm. while they were making it and anywhere that they didn't that something didn't fit or something felt like it went too long they considered it yes you know it's just like a director tossing in easter eggs and stuff like you look through any of um john watts any of his spider-man movies there's so many little hidden gems throughout oh, yeah. that and it's like that's somebody who cares deeply uh, for the scenery and the, everything in the background, yep. you know, and that's that's what this felt like. It felt like a screenwriter who cared deeply for the whole project and didn't want to do anything off the wall, you know, or Ab- didn't want to go too deep on anything. Absolutely, and and I think that this is a a script, a director, and just an overall production that treated their audience with respect. Yes, they didn't have to spoon feed them all the information. And they didn't feel the need to have all these exposition dumps. They're just like, no, look, this is people. This is happening. Figure it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm great with that because maybe somebody watches this and doesn't pick up on those subtle little things that you and I did. You pick up on things in it as a dad that maybe I miss and don't, and don't necessarily appreciate in the moment quite as much. But then I can reflect on it if I'm talking to you about it. So it's like I love stuff like that. I like a movie that respects its audience. Yeah, instead yeah, of just, only playing to lowest common denominator, like I appreciate it's, that. It's one of those movies that allowed me to approach my absolute fear of walking through a security gate at an airport with a different set of eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're all getting on the plane and like the bag situation and all that gave mm-hmm. me an anxiety attack. So, like I would be losing it. All those people rushing and oh, yeah. pushing you and yelling and stuff. I was just I was tangled in knots watching this movie. Um, but it was man it was it was definitely far beyond what i um what i expected and watching it the second time was no less impactful and and fun to watch absolutely no you you kept talking about it and talking about it and i relented i watched it and i'm glad that i did because it was good 
much better than I anticipated it being and different than I anticipated it to be. It's such a shame it came out in the pandemic and didn't get what I think it deserved, like a better showing. I agree. uh, Better marketing. It's just, it's such a much, it's such a good movie. I feel like it could have done a lot better with a better approach to it. uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's got fault. It's got flaws. It's not perfect. Right. But if you're going to stack up any, any movie involving the end of the world, this is much more deep impact than it is Armageddon. Sure. Um, it's more, well, I don't know. I, I, neither, neither volcano or Dante's peak was really like high art. So I can't really go that route. Um, but yeah. it's 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 elevated beyond what those are because it's telling a story about just one group of people and you get to care about that group of people. Yeah. And that goes a long yeah. way. So Absolutely. Thank you so much for browbeating me until I finally gave in and said, Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I'm gonna make you come on and talk with me about it then. Um which yes. I mean you and I do this all the time. We love to talk movies. We is- we we like to talk uh classic TV too. Oh yeah, we sure do. Like cartoons and stuff, like Bobby's World. Yes, you know. Yes, we have. <laughs> Stephen and I have a show with Amy Frost and Audie Norman. Where those were the days. If you uh, if you aren't already watching and or listening to that, you should be. Um, yeah, uh, you can check us out. We'll be uh, actually as of recording this tomorrow. We are recording an episode of that uh, on Bobby's World. I'm kind of I'm looking forward to it because I haven't seen Bobby's World in forever. Oh, me neither. Not since I was like nine, eight or nine. It's going to be great. And so that is a show uh, at uh, anchor.fm slash those were the days show. Uh, and we talk classic TV. We're in the middle of Saturday morning cartoons month. Uh, after this, it's going to be special guests uh, on shows, which is going to be super fun. So that'll be great. If you want to catch this show live, um, you can do that Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Uh, and uh, we'd love having people in the chat room um, giving us uh, all sorts of feedback and information, telling us about Explodium. So many things <laughs> being out of Explodium. Um, one other thing I got to mention about this movie real quick before we end the show is I loved how the the first uh, impact of the comet we don't see. They yeah. don't they don't cut to some wide shot of it hitting and blowing up the city. All we get is the aftermath of that. And I thought that was really cool. So again, this is a yeah. movie. Greenland is a movie worth watching. It's streaming on HBO Max right now. So if you have HBO Max, check it out. It's two hours long, and it's worth it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I probably would have cut it to about an hour forty-five, but that's me. Like, there's a few things they could have trimmed off, and and it wouldn't have hurt anything. But it's a good movie. It's yeah. fun. Absolutely. So, Thank you so much for this. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, if you want to um, support the show, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash Travis. Buy me a cup of coffee. Um, and uh, next week, I'm working on it's to be determined, so it's a little mystery. We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, but until then, thank you, Stephen, for being here. This was always a pleasure. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And remember to be excellent to each other. There's been wait you haven't seen.
Still coming over later? You know I never miss a free meal. Oh, I know that. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>